Um, this evening's reading is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Rebecca. So, just move this here. So let's let's just pray before we start. Lord, this passage challenges so many of our culture's fondest ideas. It's always going to be a challenge to apply it to ourselves. and So we pray that you would please help us to open up our hearts and our minds to your powerful word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, because of the challenge of this passage, I just want to make a few things clear before we uh, get started. First, this beard does not make me Jesus. <laughs> so don't take my word as gospel. Rather, use those three great things that God has given you, those three great, great gifts of God. His word, the Bible, your mind, and the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And work through this passage, and in fact every passage that we talk about in Renew, yourself. There are many resources to help us understand God's word and I am just a small and rather insignificant one of those. Two, don't expect God's way to align with yours. We are fallen people as we mentioned and the purpose of God's word is to conform us to God's image not to allow us to form our own image. Three, if you find yourself in conflict with your understanding of the Bible, don't be too hasty about dismissing that understanding. Instead, examine your cultural and historical biases, interpret scripture with scripture, get a good book or course on hermeneutics, that's how to interpret the Bible, find some reliable commentaries that take scripture seriously, you can come and ask Graham or me, or Stephen, he'll give you dozens of them. Talk, talk to someone 
who uh, wrestles seriously with Scripture. But above all, take God's Word seriously. Fourth, this passage does apply today. It may be tempting to dismiss these instructions as coming from Paul's cultural context. That would be a mistake. I'll explain how the instructions for wives are countercultural, not only for our culture, but for Paul's culture, and how the instructions for husbands are astoundingly countercultural. Fifth, this passage does not directly apply to everyone. Paul is speaking to wives and husbands, single men and women, who are a key part of the church, do not fall directly within the application. However, for those single men and women, this passage does reveal something about singleness. So stay tuned. Don't, don't stop listening. Sixth, the key to understanding this entire section is in understanding Christian submission. So, let's turn to Christian submission. The Greek word for submission, as you can read up there, I'm sure you can all read that, hypotasso, is used throughout the New Testament. And you can see that here, you can see the book's in which it occurs and how many times. That's a total of 36 times that it occurs in the New Testament. It is a particularly New Testament word. So the idea is is particularly distinct to the New Testament. And it always has the same general meaning. This is how the NLT translates it, and it has quite a a, um, dynamic translation. So it, it... translates the same word into many different English words but you can see the meaning is very consistent and it is a personal and active acceptance of our dependent role in a particular relationship paying due reverence to the one we depend on in that relationship now it shouldn't be confused with obedience Jesus calls us to obey him, but to submit to one another. Not to obey one another, but to submit to one another. Now, this idea of accepting a particular role, such as our role as a creature in relation to God, as who is creator, or our role as a disciple in relation to Jesus as rabbi, it seems to be fine, right? That... that, that Both of those examples sounded fine, right? Because it involved God. We're okay with submitting to God. We struggle though, don't we, when it involves submission to another imperfect human being. Children struggle with submission to their parents. Uh, This may come as a shock to other parents, but we've struggled anyway. Um, (laughs) I think other parents have a bit of a struggle with their children submitting. Christian citizens struggle with their submission to worldly authorities. Christians also struggle with their submission to one another, which was the first verse in the passage. 
And also, correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm not because Shalanda has already said so. <laughs> Wives also struggle with submission to their husbands and, of course, vice versa. <clears throat> Where does this struggle come from? Paul pleads with the Christians at Philippi. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. We struggle with our own self-focus. We confuse our narrow perspective, the view from our eyes, with the vastness of the reality in which we live, in which we are a tiny part. Paul goes on to explain how Christians, how a Christian is supposed to live by pointing to Christ's example. Though he was God, he did not consider equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So Jesus, God himself, modelled submission. How can we reject his call? A more down-to-earth example of submission is when, say, a parent listens to a child and learns. For example, when I was 14 or 15, my parents listened to my interests and bought our family a home computer. That might not sound like a big deal nowadays, but back then, that was a big deal. (coughs) No, it's uh, Acorn BBC, BBC Micro. Yeah, it's it's running Aviator, the game that's over there. It's a flight simulator. We actually did have that application. Um, <laughs> that, instance, that instance of humble listening to their teenage son set that same son on a fruitful pathway for life. So now let's turn to the passage. Hopefully you're ready. <laughs> Paul's advice to wives would be easy to confuse with the traditional cultural views on women except for three things. First, Paul is careful to set the context of his discussion only on married couples, whereas traditional cultures would extend this submission to all women who should submit to a wide variety of men, such as their fathers, uh, etc. Now, Paul does talk about children submitting to parents later, but it's not female children submitting to parents. It's all children. Second, Paul grounds his instructions in the relationship of Christ and his people, the church. So it's not coming from a cultural context. And third, Paul makes clear that submission is a personal choice, not something to be forced on someone. Paul's exhorting wives to choose the path of Christian submission. 
Husbands, this is an, an important point to remember. It's not... It's up to your wife to choose whether she obeys Christ or not. It's not your responsibility to force that. This Christian idea that people must choose their own response to others and to Christ is also found in the other household code relationships of parents and children and masters and bondservants, which we'll be looking at over the next few weeks. So why are wives called merely to do something that all Christians are supposed to do to one another? To submit. That, that, I don't know about you guys and girls, but that doesn't seem very fair, does it? Just called to do what everyone has to do. But I think Paul is thinking of the unique intimacy of marriage, of the way we become part of one another and come to know one another. I'm sure each of you wives is more aware of how imperfect your husbands are than anyone else in the world is. And you're also more aware of his imperfections than of anyone else's imperfections, including your own. Paul is calling you to submit yourself to someone whose imperfections and weaknesses you are painfully and intimately aware of. So it's not just the same as submitting to another Christian. It's hard. It's scary. And it's massively countercultural. It requires, in fact, great trust in our God as our protector. But we are all called to trust God in hard things. Indeed, husbands are called to do their own hard thing. Husbands are called to sacrificially love their wives, giving their own lives up for them as Christ gave his up for the church. This is a powerful form of submission. Think about it. You're recognizing that you are dependent on your wife for purpose in your life. Husbands get this wrong all the time. They think their purpose comes from their work or their family or maybe their golf. None of us do that, of course. However, in accepting marriage, a man accepts that his wife is essentially in control of his love. Apart from his love of God, she is in control of his greatest love and passion. She's captured him. Children come and go. Careers come and go. But your wife is with you for life. Or she's supposed to be. You see, a husband's sacrificial love is intended as an image, obviously an imperfect one, of Christ's love for the church. Just as husbands give up other loves for the one love of their life, 
their wife. So Christ became human forevermore. He became something different from what he was before forever on our behalf. He humbled himself. By the way, the fact that the church now exists, that God's love for his people has been expressed before the whole world in Christ, frees people from the need to get married. How? Well, the image, marriage, has been replaced by the reality, Christ and the church. Single people, as a result, have a powerful position in the church precisely because the church is already the bride of Christ. While before Christ, marriage was an important expression of family, we now have in this world right now, the kingdom of heaven is present, an even more intimate and enduring family to belong to, the church. Now, it's important to remember that both husbands and wives are responsible for their own choices. In other words, a wife should not wait for her husband to love her sacrificially before she chooses to submit to him. And a husband should not wait for his wife to submit to him before he lovingly sacrifices himself for her. These choices reflect our own relationship with Christ more than they reflect just the health of our marriage. Think about it. A marriage between two imperfect people where both were expecting the other to make the first move towards them is destined for for dissolution, for divorce. But a marriage between two imperfect people where both are prepared to give the other a chance to take the risk even before the other deserves it is never going to fall to pieces. How can husbands and wives submit themselves to each other like this though? Well, we can do it because we know with absolute certainty that God loves us. That he's got us. No matter what happens, we can abandon ourselves to another fallible human being because God will never fail us. We can place others' needs before our own because God will care for all our needs. You are valuable to God, much more than a flock of sparrows. So marriage is tough. It's hard for two inherently selfish beings to join together in a lifelong relationship. It's hard to consistently place another above yourself. That's I... not my job. <laughs> Sorry, that's not my job. 
I laughed at this because Mabel would be the one that would be getting the instructions here, but whatever. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to place others above yourself, and, and, and I don't manage it most of the time. Probably most of you struggle with it most of the time. But that doesn't mean that we should give up. And it's hard, it's, it's especially hard because every day this other person that you're supposed to be selflessly loving reminds you of how selfish they are. Every day. I'm not talking about Mabel. This is just, this is just hypothetical. It's, it's, only, it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that we can hope, it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can hope to live this way. But living this way, living this way is a powerful example of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's evangelism. If you want to do serious evangelism, do marriage evangelism. Have a marriage where you love one another, where you put each other first. That's far more impressive than street evangelism or, or whatever you can find. People will be stunned. And what, what married couple wouldn't want to be a part of that? <laughs> so let's share Paul's prayer for the church in chapter 3. Let's pray. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Amen.